That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Line with us is our old buddy, Professor Richard Wolf, the economist, co-founder of democracyatwork.info, the author of numerous books, including his most recent, The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself, democracyatwork.info, rdwolf at 2fs.com, profwolf on Twitter, 2fs. Professor Wolf, welcome back. I'm wondering, interest rates are in the news, and, and the Fed says that, yeah, they're going to raise interest rates to try to tamp down inflation and all this kind of, th- you know, all this kind of thing. Um, how specifically does the Fed regulate interest rates? How do those interest rate changes alter or affect the, probably the two biggest markets that might you know, bounce off the average person, the housing market and the stock market? is very easy. They have a number of mechanisms they can use. The Fed lends money to banks. It can change the interest rate that the banks have to pay, and they in turn uh, typically lead the banks to adjust the interest rates uh, they charge. The Federal Reserve also buys and sells uh, treasury securities, and by changing the price of that security, you in effect change the interest rate that whoever buys it uh, has to get uh, as a result of having paid either more or less for it. So that's fa- fairly straightforward, and everyone understands it. The really big question is the second one you asked what are the effects of it? And right now, we are being told by people who know, that is the biggest bankers in the country, who are very close every day with the Federal Reserve. Let's remember, most of the uh, people on the Federal Reserve Board of Governors were and will go back to being big bankers around the country. That's who these people are. Uh, What the question is that we're hearing is only whether they'll raise the interest rate three times or four times. At least that's the bulk of the question. So we know that interest rates are going up. And so the real question is, what does that do? And the answer is, it really whacks the American economy. Exactly how it will do that, I'll go through in a minute, uh, but it'll do it in a number of ways, all of which 
will slow this economy down, and that's what everybody is worried about, even those who know that we have an inflation that's hurting us, who want it to stop so it stops hurting us, and who want to raise interest rates as a way to slow the inflation, but don't quite face up to the fact that even if that works and you slow the inflation, you're going to pay a heavy price because of the effects of rising interest rates. So quickly, here to go through with them. Number one, because we've had historically unprecedented low interest rates for the last 20 years because of the three crashes of our economy, dot-com, subprime mortgage, and now the COVID crisis, record low interest rates, everybody and his brother and his company have been borrowing money because it's next to free money. Interest rates of 1%, half a percent, even negative sometimes, means that every company that had a problem, whatever that problem was, could most quickly and cheaply solve it by borrowing virtually free money, which the Federal Reserve was creating and pumping into the economy anyway. So you had all this money at a virtually zero or close to zero interest rate. So we have a country that is mired in debt like we've never seen before. Record corporate debt, record government debt, and already very high uh, household debt, which means that if you raise interest rates, the burden of that debt, the cost to you of servicing the debt, as we call it, paying off, is going to go up. And Americans who have been whacked by the last two years of COVID plus a depression, who are now being further whacked by an inflation, are staring down the barrel of a gun pointing at them that their interest charges for their home, for their credit card, for any loans they may need to survive, all of those are going to take more money out of them than they did in the past. And really, you're looking at, at an economy that is in desperate shape if it has to choose between an inflation, which is bad, and raising interest rates, which is bad. You know, when you're at that point with such options, you know you've kind of come to the end of the line. So we've got uh, Powell, uh, by the way, who <laughs> is a Republican banker, or was, yep. um, uh, you know, looking at this, and obviously if we raise interest rates and it slows down the economy, that's not going to be a good thing for the Biden administration and the Democrats in the election this fall, number one. Number two, there's this whole issue of the psychology of inflation. Um, Congressman Pocan uh, just a half hour ago said that uh, they, there's a new study out showing that fully a third of all the inflation we're experiencing right now is is in the automotive sector, and that's because of this shortage of chips. So it's you know these supply chain issues. In other words, this will be transient. So why are we messing with interest rates to deal with it? Well, one of the answers appears to be that once the psychology of inflation gets baked in. Um, you've got to kind of break that. I mean, that was the big thing that Volcker was dealing with back in the 70s. So, you know, to what extent is this just a dance for public consumption that, that Powell is doing? Or to, to what extent will, could it have a, a really bad political impact on the Democrats? And, and might Powell be up for that? I think the problem is that the Democrats have to face is that an inflation, which we were told wasn't in the cards by the Fed, 
which was wrong about that. Obviously, uh, inflation was in the cards because we have it now. We're now supposed to believe a Fed that tells us how long it will last? Really? You know the future? I thought that was a a, a skill reserved to those folks in in, uh, country fairs who will tell you your future as an amusement. Uh, They don't know what's going to happen. Britain is now experiencing an inflation, which suggests that this may be a broader problem. There's as much evidence that it will last long as there is evidence like the chips that it won't. And therefore, the problem for the Democrats is, do you really want to go into a a midterm uh, election this November with an inflation that is causing everybody a headache that they can see every day? Or... Will you be less damaged if you have interest rates rising? And that usually takes a bit longer to whack the economy. Maybe you can slither through. I think that's the real calculation, and that's made them decide, yes, let's go for the rising of the interest rates, because there is another issue here that maybe needs to be said. The mentality of an inflation does sink in. As people realize that prices keep going up, they understand, whether you're a business or an individual, that if you're thinking of making any kind of purchase, especially a big one, make it now. Don't wait, because it's going to cost you more two months from now, six months from now. And so people rush in, which has in our capitalist system the perverse consequence that it makes the inflation worse by everybody rushing in to buy before the prices rise. Everybody who knows this game understands that, and my guess is the Federal Reserve is terrified about where this inflation might go, whatever they tell us about it being transient. They want to talk it down, but they now know that they may not be able to do that, so they're going to raise the interest rates and take the risk of what that will do to the housing market. Look, interest rates going up immediately makes the cost of a house go up because you have to pay more on your mortgage. And that will slow down the the market in housing. It will slow down the market in buying automobiles uh, and, and, and on and on and on. It'll whack people on their credit cards. These are things that people will feel and see almost as much as they will feel and see the inflation they're now suffering. So the government is choosing between which of these will damage its voter uh, appeal more and having (laughs) us all watch as they make that choice. Um, Real quickly, there's another theory out there that um, over the last two years, because we have not been able to buy services, we haven't been able to go to restaurants, theaters, get massages, you know, whatever. We haven't been able to buy services. Um, people have a little more money in their bank accounts, and so they've been buying goods. So we've seen this explosion in the demand for goods, uh, which is in part driving the supply chain crisis, but is, is its own thing. And that surge in demand for goods is producing inflation, uh, you know, being increased prices. Increased demand produces increased prices. And that, th- therefore, if COVID resolves itself somehow in the next three or four months and we kind of go back to normal and we start buying services again, something we haven't done for two years, um, that will reduce the inflation. What do you think of that? Well, I think it's a mistake to understand the demand uh, uh, in that way. 
the reason there was whatever increase in demand you might think there has been, and there's conflicting evidence about that, it had more to do with all the government programs pumping money into the economy, uh, the, the, the PPP program, the extra money for unemployed people, and all the rest of it. That's being withheld now. It's all, those programs are winding down, and that is having a negative effect on the economy. Normally, when that happens, prices don't go up. If prices go up at a time when people have less and less to spend, then it's pretty likely that the price inflation is coming from the supply side, from the business side. And that makes much more sense to me. Businesses around America who were hurt by the, de- by the depression we went through and the COVID, they want to recoup their profits. They're raising their prices. And as long as that continues to be their mentality, they keep doing it in the face of whatever the demand is. That's a big problem. The wonders of capitalism, eh? Yep. <laughs> Thank you very much, Professor Richard Wolf. Uh, great talking with you. Thank you so much. Uh, you can check out his website at democracyatwork.info. You can tweet him at Prof Wolf. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance, so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us. He represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin in the U.S. House of Representatives, member and former co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He's on the Appropriations, Education, and Labor Committees. Pocan.house.gov is his website. You can tweet him at RepMarkPocan. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Um, I, two things I wanted to flag and just right off the top and get your thoughts on. Number one, uh, the Senate no longer has a functioning Democratic majority. The, uh, Senator Ben Ray Lujan of New Mexico, the Democrat from New Mexico, um, it was not a particularly high-profile guy nationally. I think a lot of people don't even know his name. Um, uh, he's in the hospital with a stroke. 
And so there's now only 49 Democrats in the Senate, which has just ground everything but procedural stuff to a stop. And at the same time, Democrats and Republicans are, are huddling today in Washington, D.C. to try to stop a government shutdown. And I think that's going to, you know, well, I'm wondering, you know, is that going to require 50 Democratic senators? What's going on with these dynamics now in Washington, D.C.? This is a continuation of, I think, what I've described as we wanted to make sure we had Democratic majorities in the House and Senate and the White House. And it's like we were walking on a beach, came across a little magic lantern and rubbed it. And we got a really angry, hungover genie that came out of the bottle. And he gave us our majorities, but he gave us a 50-50 Senate and a three-seat margin in the House which is making everything difficult, especially with rules like the filibuster. In this case, you know, Ben Ray Lujan is one of the most decent people in politics, period. Um, he was the D-Trip chair for two sessions, and I loved working with Ben Ray. He's just a, a total good person, and we're wishing him well, and we're hearing that he's going to be well. That's just one factor, but there's also a number of senators who are out with COVID right now as well, and every senator matters there's Republicans and Democrats who are out. So that's just, I think, another normal day in the Senate. But we are hoping that Ben Ray uh, comes back healthy soon. Um, but truly, he is just one of the most decent people up here. Um, wow. that, that's the only thing I can really say, Tom. And I, it really, when I heard it, it shocked me because um, he's a younger guy. He's healthy and, you know, just a really... Yeah, he's uh, in his 50s. Um, one of, yeah, one of the people that makes you actually want to come to work every day. Yeah. I got plenty of coworkers who I don't want to come and see every day. You know, so um, we're hoping. But that said, uh, we're also hearing that they're working well towards this uh, deadline. It may get bumped. I have heard uh, potentially like 10 days, not talking a long period of time because people are working towards getting it done. Um, obviously, we want to get it done because it's our fiscal year that should have been done last year on, you know, it ended on September 30th. But Rosa Delora, again, one of the more amazing people I've found in Congress, is working hard on this. And hopefully uh, we'll have the Republicans working with us and get a deal done. Um, it's going to probably require a little less spending than, than we had passed in the House on non-defense. Probably going to require, unfortunately, uh, the, the increase that the Senate gave us on defense from what we're hearing. Um, but that's about what we have right now. You know, I mean, the big bill we're doing in the House this week, and it is a big bill, is the Compete Act, which is trying to address our supply chain issues and our competitiveness, especially on things like semiconductor chips. So it's a big bill. It uh, had, I think, 499 or 599 amendments. I got three of them ruled in order, and uh, I think they're going to be part of on-block uh, messages, on-block uh, amendments. But this bill will really address um, a lot of the supply chain issues around technology, agriculture, health-related uh, supply chain issues. And on semiconductors, I just learned this, Tom, that um, you know, 30% or third of the inflation that we're facing right now is due to automobiles. And the main thing that's affecting automobile scarcity is the lack of semiconductor chips. We have something like a five-day supply right now in this country, which normally you'd have months uh, of supply. So this bill is a really important bill that I think we're going to pass through the House and the Senate and the White House is ready to sign, um, but it will help us tremendously in dealing with both uh, the inflation issue uh, that is affecting every single person right now and the supply chain issues that also, I think, are affecting every single person right now. So we're doing something really good this week. It's great to know. Casey in Los Angeles, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Congre hey, Tom and uh, Congressman Pocan. God bless both of you. You are, Thank you. you are beacons of hope, and we need you guys more now than ever to do that. What's going on with Build Back Better? I'm hearing nothing about it. Is it dead? 
Um, so, again, all this is in the Senate negotiations. You know, the House did our job. We passed all the voting rights bills out. We've passed uh, Build Back Better out. Um, I know there are still conversations going on with uh, Senator Manchin, Cinema, as well as, obviously, Chuck Schumer and the president. And uh, we're hoping that they'll, even if they scale it back some to address some of their concerns, there are huge wins in there for the American people. Just one that I think is so important is the child care provisions. Um, you know, right now, I've been told by employers in my state, the number one thing holding people back from uh, taking jobs is child care. It's a huge issue, and that's coming from often even Republican business people I'm hearing this from. And the provision in Build Back Better would say no more than 7% of your income can go to uh, child care costs if you make up to 250% of the median income in your state. Here's the real example of this, Tom, and I think sometimes we need to get this kind of information out there. You're a couple making 100000 You have a three-year-old child that's in daycare. That's in Wisconsin, costs about, at least in Madison, 15600 a year, $300 a week. Um, that's about 15% of your income. If it was 7% of your income, you would have $8,600 more a year for that couple, for their family, to put aside for their college education, uh, for a family vacation, for just everyday expenses. On top of that, the child tax break that was in Build Back Better is another $300 per month for that child. That's $12,000 more in the pockets of those families because Joe Biden and the Democrats want to get that done through Build Back Better. And if we can't get that done, something like that, uh, that's a direct benefit people won't feel. So that's why the president and Democrats are fighting so hard. We've got a couple Democrats who are holding us up, and every single Republican, by the way, holding us up. That's also important to note. But all the more reason, keep that pressure on your elected officials. Uh, we've passed it out of the House, but it's all up to the Senate right now. I wouldn't say it's dead, Casey. I'd say it's certainly um, having some issues. It's at the hospital. They're testing it. Uh, they're doing their best. Um, but we don't have a final answer yet, and I'm still hopeful. Joe in Sunderland, Massachusetts. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Yeah, Senator Pocan. Uh, my question is I'd like to see uh, the elimination of the pardon powers that the president holds and all governors hold. Because it seems like the, only, you know, the millionaires and all the big, big shots are the only ones they pardon, convicted felons and that. And little guys like me, we never see it. So that tells me there's two, uh, two justice systems in this country, and I like to see only one. And I like to see these people, no matter how much wealth they have, I like to see them go to regular jail, not to the country clubs that they put all these people in. What can they be done about that? Yeah, I, I think to your specific question, I mean, you know, really, I look at a state like Wisconsin. We have Governor Tony Evers, who I think is a, a really outstanding governor. And he has used it in a way that I think has touched a lot of people, not certainly based on how much money they have, um, but really on the, the crimes that were committed and their, their now current life situation to try to help them so that they can move forward. And, you know, they've done changes in their life. And, and if someone like yourself is in that situation, any uh, governor or, or at the official federal level uh, should look at those um, conditions and try to do pardons because, uh, you know, we also are a society that incarcerates way more people, I think, uh, than we should, especially on things like marijuana and drug charges and other things that uh, can ruin someone's life forever, and, and that shouldn't be. So I think it really depends on governor to governor, you know, and I understand what you're saying. I hear you, but, um, you know, hopefully your your governor in Massachusetts, if not the current one, your next one will be someone that can help you out. Jill in Madison, Wisconsin, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. 
Hi, Representative Pocan. Um, I would like to know if there's anything um, in the works on tax reform, I uh, income tax specifically. I just uh, began receiving full Social Security after a recent retirement and was notified that any income over $25,000 is taxable, yet a lot of very, very, very rich people are basically not paying anything. Can you comment and let, you know, talk about if there's anything um, being considered for income tax reform? Thank you. Yeah, Jill, thank you. And you're calling from my district. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to Tom's show. Uh, two things. Um, one, uh, we have a lot of tax reform in the Build Back Better Act. That's how we were funding these important important priorities for American families, going after those corporations, as you said, who hide their taxes overseas, uh, going after people who make more than 400000 They can afford to pay more uh, as a percent of their income. So that's one part. The second part is there is uh, legislation introduced by uh, John Larson in Congress uh, to, to change how we do Social Security, and that would uh, increase those limits uh, on how much you can make before you're taxed uh, so that the average person who is right now is facing that would have a little more flexibility. Uh, also, would have some increases in uh, Social Security based on expenses that seniors pay. So that's a bill I'd, I'd love to see pass. I'm a sponsor of. I'm an enthusiastic supporter uh, of the bill. But uh, with the current Senate issues, it's probably going to be difficult to see that come to life. We just need to expand the Democratic majority in the House and Senate, right? If we didn't have to worry about two senators and you didn't have every senator having veto power, a whole lot more would get done. Yeah, amen. Christine in Madison, Wisconsin. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Hi, I have a question about COVID test kit reimbursement. I'm pretty frustrated that uh, Medicare uh, people cannot get reimbursed for um, their Medicare kits or their COVID test kits. So what's the status on that? I sent you an email questioning that, and I'm wondering if you guys are working on that. Yeah, yeah yes, Christine. First of all, your constituent, thanks so much for uh, listening to Tom's program. Um, and yes, in fact, I've got in front of me um, test kits that I'm uh, using now here in the office in D.C. And uh, absolutely, that should be covered, especially right now when we want people to get tested. Because Omicron is hopefully in the decline in the country right now, and it looks like it is. Um, but this is something that's so important to get us back to normal. Uh, all things are indicating that by early March, we might be in the best place we've been in two years on this. That's a good thing, but right now there's no reason that that shouldn't be covered. So um, I don't have a direct answer because, unfortunately, federal government operates glacially slow, uh, and I, they have not given us a direct answer on it. But I've got the feeling uh, that this is going to be something that will be resolved positively this soon. So probably the way it would work would be you'd just go to your local pharmacy, you'd pick up the, the test kits, and then you'd pay with Medicare? Uh, that potentially, and right now they also are sending the kits out uh, is another thing that they're doing, although I think that could take longer, although I'm hearing people are right. getting them already. Yeah, they are. Good, yeah, I'm seeing the reports thing. on Twitter. Yeah. But it yeah. would be so much and those easier if they just was covered like everything else with Medicare. Yeah, I'm with you. Larry in El Eveleth, Minnesota. Am I saying that right, Larry? Yes, sir. Eveleth, the Hockey Hall of Fame. Okay. Um, <laughs> You're on the air. <laughs> Mr. Herman, Mr. Polk, and congratulations. Wonderful show. Um Long story short, Mr. Polkin, someone from Wisconsin, a young Republican representative, wants to lower the age of concealed and carry from 21 to 18. 
And, you know, I'm old enough to know that I was not mature enough until I was about 25. Suddenly one day, at about a quarter of a century, you wake up and all those childish things aren't so cool anymore. And all my daredevil stuff kind of just washed away. What is his thinking? Is he dating the NRA? Why why should we give 18-year-olds? In fact, Minnesota is loaded with gun crimes lately, and this just frightens me. And I'll hang up and take your response off the air, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Yeah, Larry, you know, I think this is the problem right now. Republicans are unwilling to work with Democrats on anything because uh, they don't have a head of their party right now. They don't have a platform for the Republican Party. They're a cult right now, right? They're a cult of Donald Trump, and he's a leader in exile, whether it be Mar-a-Lago or wherever. And uh, they're going to keep doing the old playbook that makes Donald Trump happy. So they're not going to address raising people's wages or helping people get access to health care or uh, addressing climate change or uh, anything that would help us address uh, things like inflation and ending COVID. They're going to go back to the old playbook of let's go take books out of libraries. Let's talk about guns. Uh, it's a God's guns, gays sort of thing. And we're seeing a resurrection of this old, tattered, uh, useless uh, playbook, and uh, unfortunately, that's where Republicans are going to go. That, that's the best answer I have, Larry. You're right. It's like all they've got now. I mean, it's a, it is. you know, Tom Cotton coming out and saying, well, slavery was a necessary evil. Uh, maybe we don't need to talk about it in school. Right, right. Omar in Herndon, Virginia, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Sir Tom Harmon, Laura Mark Pocan, good day to you both. Thank you. Uh, you know, the late Colin Powell said, if we, you know, when told George Bush when he was going to invade Iraq and Afghanistan, if we break this glass, we own it. My question is, what is Congress going to do to help the famine in Afghanistan? There are refugee camp popping every, everywhere, you know, during the winter time, and there is a mass starvation. You know, we, we, we broke this glass and so we own it. I just wanted to know, what's Congress going to do to help the people of Afghanistan? Thank you so much. Yeah, Omar, you're, you're right. I mean, unfortunately, after 20 years, you know, we went in with a, 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 the wrong objective, and I don't think we had a, a real plan. And 20 years later, we, we left, and now we're uh, leaving people impoverished and in worse conditions, and we have a responsibility. So I think the most important is we get aid out as quickly as possible. I know there's been a little bit of concern about, you know, because the Taliban may be um, in some clearinghouse form on it, but I think – uh, we absolutely have that responsibility, just as uh, we're trying to do things to, you know, set it right in Yemen and Syria and other places that we haven't been as directly uh, involved. This is one we really do have to get right and get that aid there and help folks. And, uh, you know, a lot of us have been writing letters and trying to talk about this to make sure that it's getting done correctly. Vicki in Woodenville, Washington, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Uh, thank you, Congressman. I was uh, wondering if there is a opportunity for you to talk directly with the president regarding how he messages the citizens and hopefully it could be more like weekly fireside messages and avoid these uh, debates when he tries to hold a press conference and they the press uh, confuses and misdirects his whole message so if he could talk directly without interruptions like uh, we used to have fireside chats. Yeah, Vicki, I'll tell you, I, I feel like you're reading my uh, mind on some of this. I have already reached out to the White House with the very suggestion you're making. I think uh, Joe Biden is an incredibly genuine um, uh, politician. When he speaks, 
you can tell it's from the heart and he says what he thinks and sometimes that may actually get him uh, in a little bit of trouble but you know uh, when he's doing it it's not some super polished you know uh, answer like some of these folks they look like they're in bad community theater and they're not sincere this is a format for Joe Biden and we need them to do that and I agree I mean a two-hour press conference you know what one message did you want to get out impossible because you had 50 of them but one good fireside chat and then followed by another good one and another one talking about blunt with what's going on with inflation and what's going on uh, with COVID and what's going on in his agenda would be really, really important. And um, I have directly told the White House that that's what I think they should be doing. And I, I hope that they're hearing it from more people and that they're listening. I noticed this morning that he was giving a, a short talk, uh, you know, just straight to camera about uh, one of his proposals. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't recall what it was. I just kind of caught it on CNN as I was walking by, but um, maybe he's starting to do that, You know, breaking down some of the cool stuff that, that they've done and bragging about it. He's best at this. I mean, I have seen him many times now give speeches before his president and, and now. That is the single best way I think he communicates. So why wouldn't they use that as the vehicle? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Or Richard in Palm Springs, California. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. A couple of weeks ago, I wanted to call in and I wasn't able to, but it's all through the news now. Bill Barr is all over the place. He's got a book out. He's not the first one. I can't think of the other guy's name. He's a war hawk. We only wants a war with um, Iraq. I can't think of his name, but he put a book out. He was part of the administration too. Yeah. Don't these guys take oaths to protect the country and to do the right thing? But these guys fled and then did books to earn money. Are they are they liable for any charges? Can Bill Barr be disbarred? He lied to Congress. I know he's a really smart man, so I'm sure he parsed his words perfectly. But is there anything that can be done to these guys? Richard, I mean, something can be done if, if through the course of our investigations we find that they lied on something or did something illegal. But, you know, what you're saying, there's no question. I think there is some behavior that um, if it wasn't unethical, uh, I think it's unethical. But if it wasn't, it was certainly at least improper to, you know, let Donald Trump uh, throw his tantrums and put them in the directions that they did. When they, as you said, took an oath to the, their office to the country, um, that should alone have been enough to make them be responsible in those roles but clearly it wasn't and i think as we go through things especially with the committee on january 6th if anyone has done something improper or illegal we have to take action just like we've been advocating for these uh, fake electors um you know tom i gotta give your audience a lot of credit you know we did a letter asking uh, the department of justice to go after those who uh improperly um you know faked that they were electors and now it's become a big issue but your, your listeners were talking to it about it and put it on my radar screen as well as my constituents. And uh, I just want them to know that's part of why we have some action is because they spoke out. And I, I just want people to know when they speak out and reach out to elected officials, they often listen and they can often, often have those uh, concerns become real action. So I, I hear what you're saying, Richard. Um, we're going to be you know, looking at all these. And if someone has done something wrong, I absolutely hope Department of Justice uh, take them uh, to criminal action. Amen. Mary and and thanks for the props. Mike in Whiting, Maine. Hey, Mike, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. My concern is with the post office and how it's be treated. I won't talk too much about the, you know, making them front load the retirements for 75 years. But just before the election, we cut up 700 of the mail sort machines. I don't know who ordered it. 
how much it cost the post office. But, I mean, how did it affect our election? How many absentee ballots didn't get through and didn't get counted, you know, in Miami-Dade and these different places that they cut these machines up? And, I mean, is anybody looking into that connection of it? And who's going to reimburse the post office for the cost? I mean, everybody's complaining about how slow they are. Well, you take out 700 sort machines that sort a million machines, I mean, that letters an hour, that's going to slow things down. Yeah, let's get the answer here, Mike. Thank, thank you. Okay, great question. Yeah, yeah, Mike, I'll tell you, you know, I recently had my office give me a timeline on when we can finally have enough appointees to uh, replace DeJoy. Um, and, you know, even it's a little odd because there's like uh, a Democrat that was appointed by Trump but wasn't really a Democrat. And I think Biden has appointed a Republican or independent, if I remember right. Um, but generally, they'll still vote with the president in power. We just need a little more time to get enough people appointed to, to ultimately um, do what we need to to join. There's no question his actions have had uh, a negative impact on the Postal Service. When he was on a committee that I was on, I asked him to grade himself and he gave himself an A. Um, I, I think uh, for the rest of us, I think we're on the other end of that scale. But okay. a lot of damage has been done by this guy. Are those appointments uh, uh, being held up by the Senate? No, it's a, a timeline, actually, and there's uh-huh. still a little bit of time before we get enough. And then the Senate does have to confirm. Yeah, okay. I, I believe the Senate has to confirm. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls. Thomas in Columbus, Ohio, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Have the military budgets always been universally approved? I mean, has, has any congressman ever voted against this one? Yeah, Thomas, so there's always been very strong bipartisan support, and uh, that's part of the reason why Barbara Lee and I, this session, formed a Pentagon Spending Reduction Caucus, um, because uh, it's a, often a very blind uh, support, in my opinion. You know, we don't audit the Pentagon like we audit virtually every other program in the federal government. Uh, when you look at uh, the spending, we, we've actually... The, the Senate added more spending, and as did the House in their appropriations process, not in the appropriations process, but the floor process on those bills. 
than the president even asked for. Um, so more than even, uh, you know, was necessary. Uh, and I would argue that we could have a serious cut in Pentagon spending, especially to contractors. We want to absolutely protect those who are serving us and they deserve better pay and benefits. But, you know, so often it's going on um, to projects that I think don't have public support, to contractors that have awful records, uh, and many have been charged uh, you know, with crimes for, for mischarging the United States. Uh, we really um, you know, need to have a more serious look than we do at defense spending. And uh, generally, I think this year on the, on the NDAA, I thought it was somewhere between 40 and 50 people. I could be wrong. Maybe it was up to 60 that voted against it. But certainly out of 435, that's not enough. Carol in Coutenia County, Idaho. Am I saying it right, Carol? Yes. I wanted to ask about the voter rights bill. I'm very concerned about that in the Lewis bill. Um, I haven't seen them pass, and we have midterms coming up, and they are, there are crazy stuff going in my, cat, my state, Idaho, and all the other Republican states. And I'm concerned it's going to prevent us because they even have to overturn what the voters are uh, vote on in those states if they don't like them. So if you could comment on that, and I'll hang up. Thank you, Carol. Yeah, thank you, Carol. And thank you for uh, those nice uh, words. Here, here's the problem, um, is, is the filibuster, right? We uh, have to figure out a way for something as important as voting rights, because that's as important as our republic itself. It's the only thing that gives uh, the great equalizer that, you know, uh, Donald Trump and Bill, you know, and Bill Gates and, and you and I all have one thing in common. And that's we have one vote. And if, if there are laws that make it harder to vote, we have to address that. Right now, 500 laws have been introduced in 49 states to make it harder for people to have their voice heard through their vote. And that shouldn't be. Uh, 30 to 40 of those have already passed in 19 states to make it more difficult for people to be able to vote. So we have to pass this. The problem is in the Senate, because of the filibuster rules, uh, that's right now stopping us. But, you know, there are many, including the president, who are saying we have to get around those rules for something like uh, voting rights. And Joe Manchin himself has a bill that, if passed, would deal with many of the problems that currently exist. So uh, that's the real issue. We have to get the Senate to, to use the filibuster to get around it. Unfortunately, right now, um, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema aren't there, and that's causing an issue. Uh, so we have to continue to put the pressure on, because uh, if we don't, uh, they will try to figure out ways to steal uh, the election. They, they like to claim other people do it, and all they're really doing is, is trying to make sure that you're not watching what they're doing at the same time they're saying someone else is doing it. We've got to address this. It's vital for our democracy, and that's why people need to continue to pressure their senators on this. Clive in Seattle, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Do we still have those three guys running uh, the VA out of Mar-a-Lago? Can you give me a little the, more? There, there were, there, Trump had his uh, shadow Trump, Veterans Administration yep. cabinet yep. in, in, in Mar-a-Lago. Right out of the Gulf and Country Club. There you go. Thank you, Clive. Yeah, no, I, I think the VA is in a better shape. In fact, Mark Chicano from California, who's a good friend, is the chair of our Veterans Affairs Committee in the House, and he has been um, very dogged on making sure that uh, some reforms are happening from the Trump administration. Um, also, Clyde, I mean, Pramila Jayapal is uh, an amazing rep. I'm glad you have her uh, as your member of Congress, a great friend and the chair of the Progressive Caucus. She and I chaired it for a number of years together, and uh, you're, you're really in good hands. So, um, But I think we're also in good hands now with the VA. Um, and again, I think there's some good people who are, are helping to make sure we're doing the proper reforms.
Larry in 29 Palms, California. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Good morning, gentlemen. Just so you know, I feel you're both heroes of the progressives. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Congressman, um, I, I support President Biden. I always have. But when he stands up in front of the country at GM and tells GM CEO and the world that GM is the largest maker of electric cars in the world, when last year they only sold 27 cars, what, my question is, why is the administration completely ignoring Tesla when they're the largest exporter of cars in California and the largest maker of EVs in the world? He had all the, uh, he had all the uh, auto heads in his office, and everyone was there, Ford, GM, Chrysler. But I, I'm not saying that Elon Musk is a great guy, but he is, you know, one of the smartest guys in the world to do this, but why is the administration ignoring Tesla? Yeah, first of all, I, I don't know if Tesla just decided not to come. Uh, I, I just don't know enough about that, and I hadn't heard the president's comments, although I, I think your numbers sound like they could be a little bit off, only 27 cars. I mean, I know uh, one of our cars is a Volt, and I know that's, a, a, you know, Chevy, but it's the whole idea that um, – there, there are many more than 27 cars. You wouldn't, you know, put a, a, any kind of a car line out there uh, for, for that. So I'm not sure about your numbers. I will say, though, that's part of why in the infrastructure bill and also in Build Back Better, we had a lot to try to improve the grid, improve the, the charging stations around the country to make it so that it's much easier for people to have an electric vehicle. You know, it, when we bought our Volt back in 2013, you know, I think we get about 37 miles out of a charge, which given we live you know, some 25 miles from Madison or so, um, you know, that uh, can, can you, know, you can only use it one direction, right, with the, some of that older technology. That's why we're also investing in battery technology and storage technology and other things to make sure that these vehicles can be as strong as uh, some of them are clearly now, uh, like Tesla's, uh, certainly have much longer um, uh, ranges. But I, I couldn't tell you if it was that he just didn't show up or wasn't invited. I don't have that answer. That Chevy Volt is just a great car. Uh, you know, I, Louise and I looked at one and uh, nearly bought it. But and it's a whole long story. But it's just a great car. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing you're having a good time with yours, Congressman Mark. Still po- have it. Yeah, still there, have you, it. there you go. Still running. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us, taking your calls. Mark in Austin, Texas. Hey, Mark, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I just got a question regarding the Trump tax cuts that he put in. I know. Everybody knows he made the ones for corporations permanent, but the ones for the average Joe uh, expire, I think, in 2024-ish or so. And I'm wondering, I don't hear anything about that. I only hear about not raising taxes on people over 400, or under 400000 Are you guys working to make those tax cuts for the middle class that Trump gave us permanent, or are our taxes going to be going up? I hope that it would happen before the midterms, because who knows who's going to have control after the, the midterm elections. I believe, Mark, and I could be wrong in this, but I thought it was for nine or ten years um, that the that it was going to go. And this was four and a half years ago that we passed it. So I don't think it's as soon as 2024, but I, I, I would have to double check that offhand. Um, but, you know, I think what Joe Biden and Democrats have tried to do is just have a different view on how we do taxation, period. I mean, it, you know, people who make more should pay a higher percent of their income. Corporations that have often found ways to shelter their money, especially hiding it overseas, uh, shouldn't be allowed to do that. 
And to that end, Joe Biden actually got cooperation from some of the major countries around the world to make sure that we're not all running down a low road by offering less and less taxes and letting these corporations be the only winners and, and definitely not anyone's citizens. So I do think there are a number of efforts looking at that, but I'd have to actually double check when that ends. But I thought they because we were told at the end of, I thought it was nine or 10 years, that 86% of the benefit goes to the top 1%. But I know it's only four and a half years ago when we passed that. So um, I'm not sure if the, the math that you have is correct. Bob in Desert Hot Springs, California, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Thanks, Tom. Uh, Representative Pocan, I've heard you talk many times on Tom's show and on other places on free speech. And I really feel the sincerity in your voice. I think you had a real deal. Do you think we'll ever have any real gun safety laws, gun devices to make guns more safety, background checks on people that are mental, that shouldn't have guns? I mean, Republicans and Democrats have been shot. I mean, what more do we have to do? <laughs> I, I hear you. Um, thank you for those kind words. And, uh, you know, this is one where absolutely uh, if the people lead, the leaders will eventually follow. Right. Public support wants to do something. It's the gun manufacturers via the NRA that just want to continue to have uh, unchecked profits and, and not have any common sense laws in place. And I think the, the public will is absolutely there. We just have to make sure that we're holding uh, elected officials accountable with the very, very tight margins we have. Honestly, I don't see, uh, unfortunately, the things that you and I would like to see get done. But back to what Tom and I were talking about earlier, uh, grow the Senate. Uh, keep the House in the majority, grow that margin as well. Um, and we're going to be able to do a whole lot more. And I think Joe Biden will be there to do that as well. And Tom, if I can, just uh, I do want to clarify earlier, someone asked about those N95 masks and pharmacies. Mm -hmm. um, call the pharmacies. That's part of the program to get three. But um, they got to be participating pharmacies and maybe not all are. So uh -huh. that was the best advice you gave is to have her call uh, her local pharmacy, and if not, they don't, then, then call, call another one. Thank you for that. Cindy in Belleville, sure. Wisconsin, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Thank you. It's always great to fill in the arrow that points to your name, Representative Mark. I'm very happy to, makes me very reassured to do that every election. Um, I'm con Thank very you. concerned about truth in uh, broadcasting for the so-called news outlets. We can't expect Trumpism to diminish until the victims of it are no longer bathing in lies. And this has been accomplished in other places, notably the UK. I'm wondering if uh, you have looked into or had some uh, staffers look into uh, the model that's used there with the Ofcom office and how this was created, a private company created through um, statute and how it is used uh, to enforce truth in broadcasting in the UK. My third constituent for the day, Tom, this is awesome. Uh, thanks so much for uh, listening in and calling today. I'm not familiar with that office, so I'm going to look into it, and I'll take a look. Uh, this is a question that we've had off and on uh, on the program over the years, and I've now done this for years, um, about you know media making sure that we've got the right checks and balances and looking at other countries. I'm not familiar with that, Cindy, so I will look into it. In one of the future programs, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what I found. Tom in Ranchita, California. We just have a minute left here. Tom, you got a quick one for Congressman Pocan? I'm calling to express my concern about reports I've heard um, on CNN and MSNBC about Fox News being the news station of choice on our military bases. I'm wondering if you have any opinion on that, if there's anything we could do to mitigate that. 
Yeah, I don't know if that's something that's like a formalized or just it happens to be where what most people are watching, Tom, but I, my opinion would be I, I would hope that that wouldn't be the uh, source for people getting news because um, I don't think you're going to get a fair and balanced uh, picture, clearly, uh, like their slogan used to be. So um, I, I'll try to find out if that's a formal thing or if that just turns out to be what the number one uh, program that people are watching. Thank you. Congressman, thanks so much for dropping by. It's, it's always great having you on. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Take care. Okay. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Bob in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Hey, Bob, what's up? Hello, Tom. I want to take you back into the weeds a little bit. You were talking about the cotton gin. Mm-hmm. And... I would like to mention the machine called the decorticator that would have made the labor, uh, cut down on the labor of, uh, of uh, processing hemp. Hmm. And today, today uh, there's very little discussion. Uh, I wish uh, Mr. Wolf would discuss it. I don't know if he knows anything about it. I, I don't know why he wouldn't or wouldn't be interested, but there's no discussion on the air about industrial hemp and how it could really help all of the countries uh, that are now burgeoning with this, you know, war and war and war and war, and we need the minerals and we need these chips. And you better regrow the forest and take care of your soil and your watersheds. There won't be any future. And the threat of nuclear war to me is just, it's not really, not a doable deal. No, but the, th- the threat of global collapse as a consequence of climate deterioration is. already happening. Yep. We are in the midst of it right now. We're well into it. And Jim Crow is alive and well. You talk about Tom Cotton. His name is fitting. Yeah. And where he's from is fitting. And his yeah. whole demeanor is fitting. He's like Mr. Rogers with an AK-47 in his underwear. Yeah. It's uh, James R. Crow ESQ now, you know, or... You know, yeah, but you know, people have been living with this for a long time. I've had people, you know, actually killed by this Jim Crow menacing mm. undercurrent culture. Yeah. And I, you know, we need to get serious about discussing the economy and what legal really means, if it's based in the Constitution or if it's based in some cultural social advocacy. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I get it, Bob, and I'm, and I'm with you. Thank you very much. Karen in Sandy, Oregon. Hey, Karen, what's up? Hey, Tom. <laughs> I feel so insignificant right now and so trivial. Oh, my gosh. I don't understand. No, well, I'm going back to uh, your comments or that little ditty that you read uh, about uh, the, the kids, uh, you know, uh, little kids' underwear or, or what their costumes were when they go to school. The furs? You know, like, Yes. Wasn't that weird? This is the new moral panic that the Republicans have. Oh, my God. Kids are dressing up like... Is that all they have? Hey, listen. (laughs) I think that's all they've got. Ask Louise. 
you'll know, because she shopped for the kids back in the day. Mm. They used to have the granimals where you could mix and match all that stuff, you yeah. know, all the kids, all their garb and whatnot. Yep. And you know what? Whoever is making this a thing, all I can say is that they, they need. It is all gas. over Facebook, Karen. And this is, I mean, you know, you've got school boards now in five states that are trying to take on furries. They're all freaked out that, you know, kids are coming to school uh, made up and dressed up like fur, like, like, you know, cats and dogs, and they want to use kitty litter boxes instead of bathrooms. And it's all a story. It's just like literally made. Uh, yeah, there are some people who like to dress up in cat and dog or other animal well, costumes. We're not, we're not, we're, you know, come not on, in, this is not in public school. It's not in public school. This is PG rating now, Tom. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Q rating. It's crazy rating. Karen, Karen, thanks you. Thank you. I got to run. But Karen, thank you very much for watching us on Free Speech TV there in Sandy, Oregon. Tucker in Berwyn, Pennsylvania. Hey, Tucker, what's on your mind? I think the way to deal with uh, the next wannabe dictator on the Republican Party is to uh, prosecute the last one. And that's my argument. I don't know if you, if you heard him in Texas, he's telling his followers that if he gets charged with any of the crimes he committed, that they need to put the biggest demonstration ever in New York, D.C., and Georgia. Yeah, he's, he's calling he's for calling violence for, in the streets. He's calling for another January 6th. Exactly. Yeah, and worse, I, I would say. I, I think he's. I think it's a shout out to, to just open naked political violence, and uh, I, I, whether it will work or not. I mean, you know, because there are probably indictments coming. Um, well, he's trying it, to intimidate one. the prosecution. Yes. Uh, well, and, 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 and offering pardons, he's trying to bribe the witnesses. He's trying to tamper with the witnesses. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and next time we'll bring guns. Yeah. Yeah. I, I That's scary. Th th yes, it is. I agree, Tucker. And and I completely agree with you. The, the, the way we need to deal with this is by prosecuting him. Tucker, thank you so much for the call. Kino in Lakeland, Florida. Hey, Kino. What's up? Hey, Tom. We got to use one women power to overcome this macho power of these three macho men trying to dominate the world. Trump, Putin, and she from China. And and, and in my updated Moose Herder agenda, I call for world democracies to use woman power to stabilize the world, which is now going off course from the dangerous macho power being exhibited by these three three men. They're not the wise men, the three wise men, but uh, now Putin and she could become more wise. I'm not sure about Trump. I think he's beyond. I think he's a lost cause, too. Yeah. Yeah. But we got to help Kamala Harris get up to speed to handle these three men now. She's going to have that job in the near future. And she should practice by going to meet with Jimmy Carter and Hillary Clinton. They can be her coaches, her mentors, and call in Annalena Baerbock from Germany. She's the new woman foreign minister. And we got to, they, they can start out by practicing on Nicaragua's dictator, because I got a lot of friends in Nicaragua. And mm. I, I, I cry for Nicaragua, not for Argentina, but for Nicaragua. Mm. I want Hillary Clinton. Now, Jimmy Carter's had influence on Daniel Ortega in the past in the early 1990s. He influenced him to do the right thing. And so Jimmy Carter's got to be revived for his goodness and value to the Democratic Party. But Hillary Clinton, she's got her, her power and all that she influence and experience. Jimmy Carter and Hillary Clinton need to coach 
uh, Kamala Harris and bring in Annalena Baerbock from Germany, and they write a letter to the people of Nicaragua and to Daniel Ortega saying that democracy will be restored in Nicaragua eventually. And then we work on Belarus, be next. Uh, Jimmy Carton, all four of them can write a letter to the Belarus. You were going to talk earlier about some new dictator possibility or something you mentioned earlier in your yeah. program. Well, but, that's uh, in America. That's what happens if a Republican becomes president. They'll, they, well, they now have a playbook from Trump. Now, I'm trying to be a spokesman for the Green Party now. And the Moose Herder agenda used to be to try to get Republicans to build a coalition of Democrats. The yeah. Moose Herder agenda now is to policies for the Green, proposed policies for the Green Party, which means not running any presidential candidates, not running any senatorial candidates, maybe local elections, but the Green Party needs to be in coalition with uh, with the Democrats. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Kino, thank you. Fascinating ideas. So NBC News is reporting that uh, after Mark Meadows, after the January 6th committee was formed and it looked like they might start looking into Trump's crimes, well, the number, you know, the number one guy who was right next to him who participated in that call to Rafson Perger saying, please find 11,000 votes, uh, that was Mark Meadows. He was on that call. Mark Meadows was uh, in the discussions about having the military seize the voting machines. Really? Mark Meadows was in the, involved in the, in the conversations with Mike Flynn about having the military supervise a redo of our elections. Uh, he was involved in the planning for the march to the Capitol. So what happens? Well, as soon as the committee says, Mark, we'd like to talk to you, Donald Trump says, hey, Mark, here's a million dollars. Now, it's being laundered through a nonprofit that Mark works for, but hey, isn't this fairly obvious what's going on here? I mean... What else could it be? Meanwhile, down in Florida, the other half of this story, the Republicans are trying to shut down the people's voice. You'll recall a few years ago down in Florida, there was a ballot initiative. A bunch of citizens got together and said, hey, let's let felons vote after they get out of prison. They've paid their price to society. They've paid their dues. Let's let them vote. That passed in Florida. There was an effort to raise the minimum wage to $15 in, in Florida. It was on the ballot. Uh, there, there was a medical marijuana effort in Florida, and the main, you know, not, not only is it popular, but, and I, I'm not even talking legal recreational pot, I'm talking medical marijuana. Not only is it popular, but marijuana initiatives get Democrats out to vote. We know this. In fact, the two things that polled higher than Joe Biden in the 2020 election were, were, were uh, recreational marijuana, What was the other one? Oh, and a $15 minimum wage. <laughs> Medical marijuana and the $15 minimum wage. And so the Republicans in Florida do not want these things on the ballot. But their constitution provides for the right of citizens to get things on the ballot through ballot initiative. So now uh, State Representative Mike Beltran has introduced House Joint Resolution 1127 that would literally alter Florida's constitution so that citizens can only have ballot initiatives that quote are, are related quote matter on quote matters relating to procedural subjects or to the structure of government end quote. In other words, you can you can have some kind of technical suggestion like you know gee maybe in this law the or should be an and, but medical marijuana fifteen dollar minimum wage, expanding Medicaid, voting rights, no. You can't even do that anymore. Sorry, we don't want those things on the ballot because they draw Democrats and because they actually might make Florida a little more, shall we say, free.
a little more, shall we say, small d democratic? This is nuts. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 